In studio in the stress list this morning, it's Ben City Mayor Melanie Keebler. Melanie, good morning. Good morning. Very nice to have you here. Appreciate yes. you taking the time. Had a busy night now, last night, so let's get right into it. All right. Uh, we talked about the Jack Straw development quite a lot this morning. So first of all, how much is the tax break? So over the 10-year period, it's um, a little over $10 million, about a million dollars a year of exemption. And what did the developer have to agree to in order to get the tax break? So they, this is part of our multiple unit property tax exemption program. MUPTI. MUPTI, which is much more fun to say. And that is um, focused on our core area where we have already created a tax increment financing scheme to reinvest public dollars into development and um, getting that area going. The idea is it's a long-term plan to make some investments up front, but in the end, we see increased tax revenues because we've developed the area into um, buildings like the Jack Straw or other places where there's homes and there's commercial activity and things going on. So to qualify for the MEPTI, you have to um, commit and build three different public uh, priorities that we listed in the program. The ones that they chose to qualify for the program were um, LEED Platinum certification, so energy efficiency for the building, uh, their parking garage will be wrapped around with residential and commercial on the bottom floor. And then they're doing enhanced uh, mobility transportation infrastructure around the project. What does that mean? So they're doing um, a pedestrian bike focused street redo, redo. They'll have bike parking. They have pedestrian lighting. It's all kind of on the ground scaled to make it a place where there's a public plaza that kind of goes into a bike and ped path and just above the normal standards that we would have for transportation infrastructure. Energy efficiency, hide the cars, and encourage transportation other than cars. Correct. So, okay, so they get the tax break for those three things. What about these two housing units and 20, 20 openings for child care? Right. So those were the three things to qualify. And the other thing the other thing is they have to show that the program, the project won't proceed uh, financially without the tax exemption. So they need the exemption to be financially viable, which we actually hire a third party. Um, they pay a fee and the city hires a third party to look at their documents and their finances to make sure that's true. The other um, amenities and, and benefits that they listed out in their presentation last night, including they're, they're looking to build two units that will be 60% of area median income restricted. So for folks who have that lower income and they are building them to a standard that in-home childcare could be done in those units, that's a choice that they made to add an additional benefit. It's not something they needed to do to qualify since they met the qualifications on the other three um, benefits. And they had they talked about some other things about making sure the building is ready to put solar panels on the top, extra electric vehicle charging, um, landscaping and pollinator friendly programs. So there's other things they're doing to make it a great project, um, but not all of those were required under the MUPTI. So those are things they are going to do though? That is, yes, that is what they've been saying in every presentation to every taxing district. Um, the ones that we can hold them to are the ones for the MUPTI. So we will, if they don't build the, you know, they don't get lead platinum, if they don't um, wrap the parking garage, they will lose the tax exemption. So they have to do those things to keep that. Now, starting construction before getting the tax exemption from these districts is okay. It's it's um, not a requirement for the MUPTI that you have not started. It's, it's unusual. Um, and I think it's valid for people to have some questions about that. Our understanding, and this is from what they have explained um, in, in many meetings, is they have gone through this MUPTI program in other places. And in other places, it's a little bit more administer, um, more of an administrative process. You meet the requirements, you know, you've complied and you get the exemption. This is a new program for us and the way that we've set it up has a lot more process and a lot more presentation to our local taxing districts and a lot more chance for someone to say maybe they don't like the project. Um, so they didn't 
their explanation is that they didn't realize that there was so much process and, um, you know, kind of perceived discretion. They thought that if they met the requirements, they would get the exemption and there wouldn't be much more than that. So they basically took a risk and had a misunderstanding about the program. Um, but it is not a disqualification to begin building before receiving the tax exemption. And we had one counselor vote against based on that. What changes, if any, are you thinking about to the MUPTI code? Yeah, that's something that we always intended to do. It's been, this is our first round of applications in the first year it's been open. Um, and so I think we always intended to come back and say, okay, what kind of applications did we get and do we need to make changes? It makes sense that early um, pioneers into these areas um, might have a little bit less public um, benefit standards than ones that come in later when there's more established development in the area already. And I think we need to look at the process that we have. Um, it, you know, I don't want it to be confusing for developers or especially for the public, and I think it is a bit right now. So I think that's two things that we want to look at. Our public benefit list, do we need to change that and raise that bar? And do we need to change the process to make it simpler and easier to understand? Any other developers have applications in based on this code as it exists now? Yes, we actually approved one already that went through the process um, and was approved late last year, which is the project that's going to be at the old Les Schwab site on Franklin. Um, and then there's two more applications we're expecting to come through um, for a couple different projects. So that's what we've got in our first round. And starting in our next meeting, we're going to talk about how do we um, update the program going forward. Okay. So those concerns will be addressed uh, in council meetings moving forward. Yes. Um, let's move on then. I think that covers the, the jack straw at, mm -hmm. at this point. It's, it seems to be going up pretty fast. Explanation or um, any uh, estimate on uh, completion? Um, no, you know, I didn't ask for that um, last night, so I'm, I'm not sure. A but a year and a half, two years? Yeah, and that seems about right to, to make a good guess. And, and the, I mean, one of the benefits is it is in progress. We do know they're going to build it. So it's happening. <laughs> it's going forward. <laughs> if they didn't get this, they say they couldn't have been able to start it. However, right. uh, if the money were pulled, I think it would probably come from somewhere because nobody's going to leave a half-finished skyscraper. It, it has happened. And one of the impactful, you know, um, Councilor Campbell, who's been on council quite a while and has been through some of the ups and downs, um, you know, there, there have been times in this town when projects were left unfinished because of financial problems. So um, luckily, I don't think that's the situation we're going to have here. They met the requirements. You know, the conversation about are those the right requirements, that's the conversation we're going to have going forward. The work session was focused on the transportation fee. First of all, what is that? And then where are you at with that plan? The transportation fee is a policy we've been working on for um, a year now, and it is part of our transportation system plan for how do we fund all of the um, maintenance needs, operation needs, and the programs that are listed in our transportation system plan. And the reason we need um, the additional funding, we have the GO bond that was passed in 2020, and that kind of money can only be used to build projects. It can't be used to plow them, sweep them, maintain them, you know, repave them. Um, and the same goes for system development charges, which developers pay when they build things. Those can only be used to build the road or the roundabout or whatever the infra infrastructure need is. So we have a budgetary gap that's coming. Part of, a big part of it is our state gas tax revenues are declining um, and our costs are going up. So the transportation fee is, is primarily designed to fill that gap and to provide um, maintainer level of service and then start to enhance that. So start to be able to do more maintenance more often, more restriping more often, and then start to do things like creating a sidewalk infill program, enhancing our bicycle program, um, all these things that our community put into that transportation system plan. So last night was really just a big work session to get our staff to 
kind of put it down on paper what the code will look like and we're going to refine that at another meeting in February and then go out for the public for more comment on that product of code and policy. Is this the one where the money is going to come from adding a tax to utilities? Right. So this is similar to when you see on your utility bill, there's a there's a flat sewer fee or a stormwater fee. And um, many cities in Oregon already use this tool as a transportation utility fee, and they may call it a streets fee or street maintenance fee that appears on your utility bill. So it will apply to anyone um, residential and non-residential that has a utility account in Bend. And a lot of the work we were talking about is, okay, what is the residential charge? What is the uh, commercial charge? And it needs to be linked um, to data about impact. So what is the impact on our system? You can imagine um, a business that is very much relying on cars coming in like a drive through or a delivery business has more impact than maybe a, a residential home. So that's a lot of the work we've been doing in the past year is figuring out what that formula going to look like. It sounds like a very complicated formula. It, yeah, especially on the side of, of non-residential because there's all different types of businesses. So part of a lot of what we talked about last night is, is phasing this in because we, there is data we're actually going to need to gather about all the different kind of businesses that we don't have linked to our utility system quite yet. Um, but that will allow us to more um, closely correlate the fee to the actual impact on our system. All right. Going to be lots to look at uh, with that. Yes. And uh, that's going to take some more time. Starting next month, the Oregon State Legislature will convene short session, uh, air quotes there. Yeah. What, do you, what is Bend City interested in? Yeah, I think we have three priority areas that we, we discussed with our lobbyists last night. Um Number one is, you know, we have stepped up as a city to provide additional shelter beds, um, over 500 shelter beds now in Bend, um, which is a huge increase from, you know, when I started on council in 2021. We did a lot of that with one-time money, relying on one-time ARPA dollars um, and some, you know, money that came from the state. So what we are worried about now is being able to continue to keep those shelters open as the governor has declared a homelessness emergency and is trying to move people out of homelessness as quickly as possible. Shelters aren't the answer to that, but they're a very crucial step to stabilize people, especially in, and to get them into case management. So making sure that we are able to continue our shelter operations with um, sustainable funding from the state is a huge part of what we want to do. And then we're also looking at, you know, the focus on continuing to tackle the housing crisis and to look at Measure 110 reforms. Those are the three areas I think we'll be most active in during the session. What's the uh, uh, discussion around Measure 110 right now? What we looked at last night is there is a 11-point kind of comprehensive plan that came out late last year from the League of Cities. And in, it was in conjunction with public safety partners, chiefs of police and sheriffs, talking about um, the public safety reforms as well as the sort of programs and treatment enhancements that are needed on the other side of that equation. I mean, I think what people wanted with Measure 110 is we want people in treatment and getting better and not living in addiction and not living in addiction on the street. Measure um, 110 has no teeth. Um, that, I mean, that's I think that's the issue is that there were public safety consequences that now the legislature has to grapple with. And how do we um, go in a right direction that's not going to just re-overwhelm our criminal justice system and not get people into treatment, but is going to address some of those public safety concerns. So I think we're leaning on, you know, looking at that, uh, the League of Cities kind of taking the lead on that package, and we'll put our input locally um, here as well. But I think we want to see some changes um, to address a lot of those concerns. Well, can't say that you haven't hit the ground running in the new year. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> we're <Melanie>, doing it. <laughs> pretty, I appreciate it very much, Melanie. Yeah, thanks, Frank. Happy New Year. Melanie Keebler, Mayor, City of Bend, here on the KBND Morning News.